millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, here we are. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you so thanks much. For, yeah, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us. That's us. crazy. We're <laughs> genuinely touched by it. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's coming off of this hashtag Spotify wrapped. <laughs> yeah. I'm deeply humbled. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we were we were both very humbled. Also, Surprise, our always. fans in Norway? What? Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> Tell us about it. What the heck are you doing? I always yeah. wanted to go. Looks right beautiful. in. Explain why you're listening to us. We want to know. <laughs> we want to know. And um, also, thank you. Also, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Chloe. And I'm Aura. And this is Historically Badass Broads. Where we talk about awesome ladies from history that you should have learned about, should have learned more about, yeah. should have learned anything accurate about. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good addition. <laughs> Thank you. Because really, I was like, you know what I was realizing? I was talking to my cousin and she mm-hmm. asked me about, I said, oh, I was telling her about the podcast and mm-hmm. I asked her, she was like, oh yeah, like who have you covered? And I was like, oh, we like did Cleopatra not that long ago. And she was like, oh, tell me something about Cleopatra. And I was like, well, she didn't do that. And then she was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, everything I feel like you've heard of her is that she was this like salacious whore who brought down an empire and died because the mm. snake bit her boob, but that didn't right. happen. And then she was like, oh, interesting. And then I was like, yeah. And then it made me think like, wow, so much of this podcast is also just like, here's what happened mm-hmm. and here's why people say the things that didn't happen happened. Right. It feels you know? like a lengthy game of telephone. Oh my God. Welcome <laughs> to history. Welcome to history. Just a bunch of different random accounts that somehow turn into the truth. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. I mean, yeah, that's kind of, yep. So much well, of a historian's truth, job yeah. is like reading something and then going, okay, where where did you get your source? And then going to that and then finding yeah. out where did you get yeah. your source? And then just keep going back until you're like, I think that might be right. Or at until least you interview least the know real person. Or at least know like where that began, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> and I can understand who that person was that wanted it to be that way. And then I go, oh, fascinating. I get that. Fascinating. I'm excited for this month. Mm. We're going to talk about someone I deeply regard. Okay. Love. Mm. And I've always just like learned more about. Like she just, there's more to give with this woman. I love her so much. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard of, and I hope the answer is yes, Chloe. I feel like you have, Uh-oh. of Hildegard of Bingen? Maybe. <laughs> I was like, Maybe? yeah. Okay. I will say that the backstory for this podcast is that I know a lot of things, but most of those things are not related to history, and you mm-hmm. are a historian. 
Indeed. <laughs> so there are a lot of gaps that we're trying to fix in my knowledge. We're trying to fix them, but also like, <laughs> just like share the cool stories. There's so much, there's so many cool stories that like we were Absolutely. not. I, I'm trying given. to, I'm trying to figure out if that's like a name that a lot of people are named or if I have heard about this person. No, not this is name. not a common name. <laughs> Hildegard? Hildegard. Hildegard I feel of like Bingen. that could be a common name. I think it, I don't disagree, but it's not. Let's like, just assume that I don't know who this person okay, is. Okay, Hildegard of Bingen. <laughs> we're, I'm taking you way know. back. I'm taking okay. you way back. We're going to the late 11th century. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, we're going. This is my time, guys. For those of you who don't know, I'm a medievalist. I love it. I live for it mm. so much. Um, this is the high Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. There were earlier ones. There are later ones. These are the mm-hmm. high Middle Ages or kind of the beginning of it. So we're going to like around 1098. Great year. Solid. Um, and we're going to be somewhere in what is now Germany. Great. Perhaps. It does sound German, that name. Bingen. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, Maybe yeah, the yeah. Hildegard part. The Hildegard. Hildegard. Um, a girl. Yes. A young girl mm. was born into a family of free lower nobility what does that mean free lower nobility meant they weren't like fully in the feudal system they had a little more movement they weren't complete vassals but they were also still like in the system so they had a little more freedom hence free Mm. but they did have some ranking and ostensibly people below them Mm -hmm. but weren't like i have to die for my vassal when he calls me to fight for him in war sure is my understanding, but I don't know German feudalism very well. I don't but we're in Spanheim. We're in Spanheim. <laughs> okay, great. And we're gonna um, Max Hild yes. and Hildebert. Yes, have ten kids. Of course they do. And Hildegard's the youngest. Youngest, youngest. Ooh, it sounded strong. right the first time. It did. I felt like it was the like I didn't youngest. Hit the G. Yeah, I, I understand. Didn't hit the G. I understand. It, it really upset me. Okay. But you tried again and you got it. I did. And Thank that's you. what matters. Perseverance. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, youngest of 10. Youngest of 10. Mm-hmm. Although I think there may have been people below her at that point. But what happened was when you were a daughter mm-hmm. and there were many above you, mm-hmm. you were usually like just given to the church as a tithe, literally like as a tax. Here's a child. Okay, great. So from a very young age, though, Hildegard, and one of the reasons we have a lot of information about her own thoughts is because, and perhaps most famously, she was a writer mm. and a composer Ooh. and all around badass. A badass. I love her so much. Okay. I need you guys to know, shout out to my voice teacher, Katie. Hi, Katie. Um, Hi, Katie. Katie is a Hildegard like expert and we were going to start working on, oh yeah, because she's also a composer. Mm. We were going to start working on some of Hildegard's songs, but Katie has sung them. And if I can find it and with her permission, I would love to post Katie singing them because also Katie plays plays, uh, historically accurate um, like lute. Like what? um, what That's so cool. Like a harp and sings. And she's also just beautiful and wonderful and i love katie anyway um she sounds like a historically badass broad as far as she is such a historically badass broad katie hi um (laughs) i just saw you like two days ago anyway um so 
Also should have asked you about Hildegard because you know a lot. I digress. Um, we can do a part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just Katie telling me yeah. everything I need to know. Honestly, I would listen to that. She's so cool. We've never uh, had a special guest. We've not had a special guest. I just want Katie singing to me all the time, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Hildegard is kind of given to the apparent service of a woman named Juta, Jutta, J-U-T-T-A. I always pronounce it Juta, but that probably is wrong, but that's how mm-hmm. I pronounce it in my head. So that's what we're going to say. Cool. And um, th- she was of a much higher ranking noble family than Hildegard, but their families were, were quite close. Mm-hmm. And so Juta was only about eight years older than Hildegard. Mm-hmm. And she was basically given in service to Juta, who was then given gave herself to a um, convent, if you mm-hmm. will, into a process that's an enclosure process, but like specifically something called an anchorage. So let's talk about that. Here's okay. what that means. Cause it's a little weird. Yeah. So she was given as an oblate, an oblate to a Benedictine monastery the Disse Bodenberg, Disse Bodenberg. I, I've never, again, I say everything in my head and then I have to pronounce it for this podcast and I go, you've never said that out loud. Um, <laughs> Disse Bodenberg. That looks right to me. I um, always, you know, confidence. I know. I love that so much. Thank you. It, to just get, you say it with confidence and I won't bat an eyelash, you know? Oh, stunning. I'll trust stunning. it blindly. Stunning. <laughs> stunning. Um, so, Juta wanted was extremely ascetic. An ascetic is like someone who was extremely committed to the penitentiary aspect of Catholicism. What does that mean? She would wear basically a chain with nails on her bare body underneath her. Wow. So that it would I thought hurt that her. that's what you meant. Yes. She would wear wow. a hair shirt so that it would scratch her. She was very into self-flagellation as okay. a sign of her faith mm-hmm. and because of her extreme suffering she was said to have quite holiness about her but i always had the impression that juta was a bit of a performative individual i don't know why i have that but i do and it does it does feel i doesn't mean it, it would feel that know way about it then you're and that's like all it. you talk about she also would yeah. be barefoot in the german winters and like do it on purpose and then have everyone look but here's an interesting thing about was she a Leo? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Sounds like it. Did we did we say her birthday or did we say her birth year? Oh, I don't know Judah's birthday. Do I know yeah, Judah's all right, birthday? All right. Let's look. Judah was born. I do know her birthday, 22nd of December in 1091. Yeah, that's not a Leo. What is that? I don't know. I okay. only know Leos, which is very classic of a Leo. <laughs> Are you a Leo? I am. We were born in July? July 28th, baby. Oh, interesting, because my mom's the 22nd, but she's a cancer. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty close to the cutoff day. It's okay. more it, August birthdays are more commonly Leos. I am a Libra, which I have right. been told checks out. That's actually funny that you're into law, because that's literally the same symbol, if I'm not wrong. The little it justice is. lady. It's the scales of justice. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Feel it acutely. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so, okay, so an anchorage is the next level of enclosure. Enclosure is when someone goes into a monastery that is not open to the public. It is um, enclosed. It is enclosed, yes. Love. Hence the word cloister, like cloistered. Oh, never thought about that. Closure. Yeah, it's the same. That's thing. great. So an anchorage would be mm-hmm. a place where a literal, they're known as an anchorite or a hermit okay. or an ascetic. And they would have these little buildings. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean a 12 by 15 cell built wow. that had a little, and you were usually like, it was built around you to enclose you. Mm-hmm. There were no doors and it had a little. Right, wait, can I clarify? Yeah. He was built around you as in the person is standing there and people build it around them. Well, most of it was built, but they fully enclosed you. Great. In it. Great. And as they did so, a bishop said the rights of the dead to you because you were. Leaving, you would die in there. Well, you were leaving the world of the living to enter the service of God from a different level. Can you ever choose to leave or is it funny kind of like a, a done deal? It's really funny you should say that. Um, okay. The odds of you leaving are pretty slim. Because okay, it great. was like quite a choice. Mm. It was quite a choice. Okay. Um, there was a little like window. Voluntary imprisonment. Which, yeah. Yes, it was. Uh, there was a little window through which you could receive communion. Okay. Um, and uh, where they would push food and you would give your waste out of. And great. that's it. So Juta was like gung-ho. Great. She wanted this hard. And in 1112, when Hildegard... Here's the thing. So Hildegard says in her own life, she said she was eight years old when she was professed with Judah. Um, but we know the date of enclosure for Judah is 1112. Like we know that. Um, mm-hmm. And so Hildegard with her current date of birth would have been about 14, but she says she was eight. So what that possibly means is that she could have been professed to Judah as an eight-year-old would have gone to live with her and started entering service entering into service for her mm-hmm. and then they were enclosed um in their anchorage in eleven twelve. Okay. And because we know because it was like received on All Saints Day of eleven twelve by the Bishop of mm-hmm. Bomberg. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the idea. This at Bomberg was a really interesting community. It was a growing community of women. Um but it was a monastery of mainly men and Juta was a visionary and people came to visit her. And it seems like (sighs) Juta sucked. So she did not believe in giving like any quarter. So she would, they were enclosed in this small room, although depending on the level of person they could have like little other anterooms where their servants could live because of course, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and Juta was of quite noble birth, and so was Hildegard. And so it all we know is an eight to twelve year old or eight to fourteen year old, excuse me, is enclosed for the rest of her life with a woman who does not believe in any kind of comfort because that is a sign of um unfaithfulness, if you will. Okay. And so she's in literally so enclosed. The two of them are enclosed together. By all for all intents and purposes, yes. Mm. Um, it seems like there could she could have had a slightly separate room. Okay. 
Um, that's just, I, I don't know. For some reason, it sounded like they built it for one person. Yeah, I mean, yes. Hmm. They did. Interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Hildegard, I mean, I just, it's like really upsetting. Like, the idea of literally pretending to die and having someone say the rights of the dead over you, like a funeral, basically. Yeah. And you're still there, but you're not allowed to um, leave this, a literal cell. Um, and so. Can you have objects with you? Like uh, objects of prayer. You can have objects of flagellation and you can have objects that would encourage you to continue thinking in a religious manner. So like women's crafts. So she could have embroidered and taught mm. her to read okay. the Bible, things like, like that. Write and stuff. Yes. Yes. Because, because Juta was a visionary. And right. so, but Hildegard, what's interesting is we have again, so much of her actual thoughts about her life to a degree, to a degree. Mm-hmm. And she says that she first began experiencing visions at the age of three. And hmm. and by the age of five, she began to understand kind of that they were special, that they were a gift. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really share this with other people, I think, because she found them kind of concerning or whatever. It is now commonly understood that these were most likely migraines. And the reason we know that is because Whoa. there's an interesting psychologist mm-hmm. who was like, I know, I know that she just had migraines and it's because of the description of the kind of hallucinatory aspect of it where she would enter. It was extremely painful. Um, She suffered greatly of like, she was kind of a sickly person. It wasn't great. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, it just seems like it was a pretty miserable experience, but through it, she kind of reached this euphoria of what were visions from God. And so she's young and she's experiencing them, but she's not really sharing them with people. Mm-hmm. But she ends up spending 24 years in enclosure with Juta. Wow. Wow. I cannot imagine. I'm That is nearly my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. Horrifying. Okay, great. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I love that. So it seems like Judah, I mean, Judah, like, so they followed the rule of Benedict, which is a really famous, um, like, way to live a monastic mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Judah was, like, way beyond that. Like, in the rule of Benedict, there's permission given if you're ill to break some of the rules of the certain foods they could eat to, so that you could be healthy. And Judah did not believe in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the prayer practices, I mean, she would pray all day, like, barefoot knees on the ground hard like bleeding it was just like the level of it was horrific and it seems like because of the harsh nature of what she put her body through she eventually dies from all of that oh my god but interestingly they did have quite a connection because judah kind of taught her how to pray like she taught her how to i think maybe write, maybe not read, um, and kind of various aspects of like certain elements of prayer. But Hildegard says like kind of specifically that 
Juta wasn't well educated, which is mm-hmm. really interesting to me because I'm like, but she taught you things. But that she she didn't really teach her how to interpret the Bible, just to read it and just to mm. write down her thoughts. And mm. so, and to recite like the prayers and Psalms and, mm-hmm. you know, other things and how to heal the sick, which was another thing that Juta tended to do. And it could have been where what? Hildegard learned, what? How, what are you, what, passing over that, she can heal the sick? Well, yeah, they're holy. <laughs> what? Yeah. She, she was, she, she did it. She did it. She I don't know. This was almost a thousand years ago. You tell me. I don't know. I don't you know. tell me. <laughs> I don't know. But they're saying she she tended to and occasionally healed the sick. Hildegard. There's a lot of examples of her miraculously healing people. We'll get into that. That, but, but that to- seems that's noticeable. That's a noticeable fact. Okay, so think about it this way. In a time, <laughs> this does not seem like it's important to you, and it's blowing my mind. <laughs> because okay, because it's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Why? (laughs) You have one perception of the world. Okay. Just erase your brain, let it go. And the only thing you know is that God has given you a time on earth to earn his salvation so that when the Antichrist comes, Mm -hmm. you can achieve salvation and go to heaven. That's Mm -hmm. your entire life. Your goal is to achieve salvation. That's it. Sure. You will live your life by those rules. And everything, every natural phenomenon is a manifestation of God's power. Everything. There's an explanation for it. Who is sick? It's because they displease God. That's better. And it's because God blessed them. Okay, great. That's it. Your entire perception of your life. Of course. There is a scale of interpretation depending on where you were raised. But mm. with this community specifically, it, it was com- there was a commitment to it and mm-hmm. an understanding that that's just how the world worked. In the, un- in the way that we know that antibiotics can treat a bacterial infection, they would right. go to a holy person and it would be treated. Okay, great. And if it didn't quite work, it's because the person who was sick displeased god like there was an explanation for everything i got it see i i it was a self-confirming thing right and i i i understood that they would think that they were doing it but i was curious sometimes timing is really yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and a lot of the time timing is wonderful okay great (laughs) and we'll get into hildegard because there are there are other scientifically proven reasons she may have been able to cure people or treat them yeah okay i can't wait that is interesting to me. And medicines. Yeah, all right. Well all documented. Right. Um, <laughs> that we now use synthetic forms of to treat people. You know, Stunning. they do these things. People love to bash on my time. The middle. No, ages. but that's cool. It was so cool, Chloe. It was so cool. I agree with you. Thanks. I'm with so, you. Oh my god, I could. <laughs> I so, did. Yeah, so though, yes. No, no, no. It. I didn't even think about that being a big thing. Um, yeah, you really casually said that. <laughs> Sorry. That's my job here. I know. I appreciate <laughs> it. So maybe Juta also taught her how to play a psaltery, which is a 10-string kind of flat-looking harp thing. It's really mm-hmm. cool. cool. And Volmar, who was a – what was he really? He was a monk mm-hmm. who was at the – 
de Sibodenberg monastery and he was like their official confessor and he was a teacher of of hildegard's and juta's mm-hmm. and so she as when when hildegard was a young teen she began to think that perhaps the visions were divinely ordained and so mm. she told juda who then told volmar who then basically validated her and said i think you're right i think these are from god mm. and he urged her to follow what God was telling her. And Hildegard in her later depiction, like retroactive depiction of her um, visions mentions that in the very beginning, God told her, I'm telling you this, you have to write it down basically. So she's not sure. And she doesn't feel like she needs to do it or wants to do it. But Hmm. every time she, you know, vacillated between writing and not writing it, she got really sick. And so she thought she didn't want to do it because she didn't want to be prideful and, you know, whatever. But her interpretation Mm -hmm. of her illness, and she's been very ill for a lot of her life, Mm -hmm. is that this, she fell so ill when she decided not to write that it was God punishing her saying, no, I told you to, you have to. And so sounds like anxiety to me. She became healed. Isn't that something? It does sound like anxiety to me. Something. (laughs) Listen, we have a lot of modern interpretations of things. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying it to me. I mean, I when I, know. when I have trouble making decisions, I get anxious about it. Makes me feel sick. Just mm-hmm. putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Just not a true. Random there. fact. I was. It is both putting into the universe. So Volmar also was a learned man to a degree mm-hmm. as many monks were and taught her to perhaps notate music in a mm. medieval way, which is perhaps how she could have then later begun her compositions. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. she's with Juta, she's learning, she has this kind of fledging idea that God is speaking with her and in, you know, kind of granting her with these great visions but she's also quite nervous about them and doesn't really know where her place is, is my interpretation of it. It kind of feels like she's someone who like, she's known basically one thing her whole life, which is that she was given to the church, like given Mm -hmm. to the church Mm -hmm. and effectively made to devote every waking aspect of her life to pleasing God in a really specific way Mm -hmm. and grew up in a really extreme form of that. Obviously, like her formative years were spent that way. And so, of course, if she's been receiving visions since she was young and she then kind of continues to receive them and they become more and more intense as she gets older, you know, what? where is that coming from? And when the devil is a very real presence, like in the world to them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have to ensure that you're receiving this from the right thing, right? So yeah. my interpretation is that she was very cautious and not really sure how... And where her place was in the world, especially because she was basically dead to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so Juta dies in 1136. And to me, this is indicative of the place and the reverence by which Hildegard and Juta were probably held by the other nuns who were encloistered, not anchorites, but encloistered there. Um, she was unanimously elected as the magistra or magistra, if you speak 
old Latin, which I do, which is not medieval Latin. So I will pronounce things weirdly because that's how I know how to pronounce things. Um, <laughs> so as Magistra, she was basically the leader of this community of her nuns. And and the abbot of Disabodenburg then asked her to be the prioress, but she didn't want to be the prioress because she had gotten a vision from God to found her own community of women. What? What? Obsessed. So Hildegard tells the abbot that and he's insulted and says no so she goes god wants me to do this she goes over his head and goes to the archbishop and he goes yeah god wants you to do it you should do it then the abbot's like no i said no even though his superior said yes hildegard is stricken by an illness she's paralyzed she can't get out of bed and it wasn't until because she was like god wants me to move my nuns to rupertsburg i have to do this and the abbot (laughs) Came and couldn't even get her out of bed himself. He couldn't do it. That he was like, you're right, it's God. And all I have a vision of in my head is Hildegard like bearing down in bed. Like, fucking move me, I dare you. (laughs) (laughs) Or like someone put stones in her dress, you know? Like that's what I see. And that's what I envision. And I hope that's what happened. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was. Stones. Maybelline. I don't know. I love it. It actually probably was Maybelline. Now that I think about it. Yeah, right? So then he's like, fine, I guess I'll, whatever, just go. (laughs) So Volmar is the provost. He's her scribe. He's her confessor. He's her devoted companion. And she founds Mm -hmm. this monastery in officially 1150, um, which took a long time, but they were kind of building it for a while. So in 1141, she receives a very specific vision from God. And this is the vision to write down what you see and what you hear. It's very Mm -hmm. specific. She's 42. Mm -hmm. She's been getting visions from God. She kind of experienced things in her, throughout her life. And again, we can explain these with modern science as we always love to do, but I, however helpful I think it, you know, it is for our understanding of the physical phenomena that she was like enduring, I also think it's extremely important to understand that that's not how she would have thought of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of and course. that her interpretation and understanding of it is almost more important than ours, even though if I find it fascinating. I'm like, ooh, what could it have been, right? But it's mm, it, mm-hmm. it, for it's, her that it doesn't factor. It was very clearly something else. And, and so she is, you know, she's the magistra of this community mm-hmm. and she's been talking with Volmar and she receives basically um she receives an order from god to write down his will and she's kind of scared and this is when she gets a very severe illness and so then she followed the command and she started writing what would be her most probably famous work which is the skiwias again i'm saying this as i understand ancient latin not medieval Mm -hmm. so it's s-c-i-v-i-a-s so, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. And so that took approximately 10 years because she also oversaw the um, illumination of that manuscript, meaning the illustration, if you will, but it's a very specific thing. And we wow. are so lucky that we have some of it to this day. Wow. And we will be sharing um, some of these incredible illuminations. And my mm-hmm. favorite is the frontispiece of it, which is very famous. If you've seen maybe any quote image or depiction of Hildegard, you've probably seen this where it looks like she's 
it's her it's their depiction of like receiving divine thought from god but it sure as hell looks like weird fiery tentacles coming down and touching her head and i couldn't love it more <laughs> i couldn't love it more. i can't wait to see this <laughs> so about halfway through working on this book she ends up writing to if you've been listening to this podcast for a while you know one of my nemesis <laughs> bernard of clairvaux <laughs> do you remember why i hate bernard of clairvaux it's okay if you don't i don't I like don't. a lot of people Bernard of Clairvaux. He's a saint, whatever. I'm not Catholic, so I can say whatever I want. Um, He, although I guess if a Catholic, you can too. I don't know the rules. I do know the rules. I don't know the modern rules. I don't know after the Second Vatican Council. Don't tell me. Um, So Bernard was the guy who told Eleanor of Aquitaine that um, she hadn't gotten pregnant with a son because she was too loud. Ah, yes. Remember him? Remember that guy? Yeah. Who's yeah, it. Who was like, yeah, Great you guys guy. should get divorced. I hate you. She's the devil. Mm-hmm. And then like she takes an empire away and marries Henry, and then they have like twelve billion kids, and and then John ruins everything later. But anyway, that's Bernard. So Bernard's a pretty famous dude. Whatever. Hildegard writes to him, <laughs> and he's so annoying because he's supportive of her, and I want to just like not like him but he did something good and i guess everyone has that capacity anyway um people are multifaceted you know bernard is not but he is so he says that she receives she says to him like again she's looking for confirmation which i think is you see something like this happening a lot in her life i think she understands that like women visionaries are not very common you basically need to be approved by the church in order for this to be a thing. And mm-hmm. it's very dangerous because you're either that or a heretic and you can be killed. So great. it has to be a pretty specific thing. And I think she was on that edge, but she also was like, I believe firmly, you know, she had the strength of her convictions. And so she ends up writing to him and saying like, not only that she received them, but how she felt she received them. So she said she basically received them with the eyes of the soul. So mm. she got them and that's why they look like weird tentacles, but they're actually a consuming flame is what she kind of described it as. Mm. And it's the flames of like the holy inspiration coming down and touching her soul, giving her the means to interpret. And so he says like, this sounds right. This sounds solid. But he also says like, make sure that you're humble. Cause of course he did. Of course course he said that to a woman well Mr. hey it's important ego tist ego reigning megalomaniac Ugh, I hate him. but he supported her and he said that yeah god god likes you so that helps to because he 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 experienced he explains this as it's called interior erudito et unctio docens de omnibus which means you've been given this in like inherent teaching and Mm -hmm. basically like a holy omnipotent like anointing by god with these basically saying like you've been given this and it's something that's in reference to something that um is in um john which is one of the like quote if you will chapters of the bible Mm -hmm. basically saying like you've been given an anointing by God and therefore you know all. And so mm-hmm. he, by effectively quoting that says like, you're prophetic, like the Holy spirit has come down and touched you. And this is, this is your thing. And what's interesting 
is that we have that letter. Ooh. Isn't that cool? That is cool. I know. That's so cool. So we start to see this. Um, it, it's eventually kind of codified in the Rising Codex, which is like a final edition of all of her works. And mm-hmm. it's really, really interesting. Later editions show her as this like kind of interpret and kind of, I think it's her later years and other people who were vying for her um, to be sanctified Mm-hmm. Saying like she was not insecure and seeking seeking that they were saying like she was very confident and Bernard confirmed it, so that's kind of a later interpretation. But mm-hmm. very soon after that, Pope Eugene the Third visited um, Trier, which was not far away, and some cardinals, people all traveled, including maybe ugh, Bernard. And so, but Hildegard, I think she was just extremely savvy. She saw all these influential men and said like, whether they were invited to their abbey or like whatever she basically got approval from the pope because a bishop said like hey there's this woman who's being given these gifts by god and um the pope is like this is really interesting i'm gonna send someone to like see they basically have an official investigation and the pope is really inspired by her readings and he says when he is reading them he he calls on those present to praise the creator in joyous jubilation. And Bernard accordingly apparently told the Pope that he shouldn't cover up this, but that he should confirm it and that allow her to continue writing. And so what that did is it gave her papal authority. She was entirely legitimized and effectively gave her the level of importance of like people, no one in her time from my understanding, like, Heck yeah. Yeah. It basically gave her like, God is interpreting himself through you and you are, are giving us these great visions of him. And Mm -hmm. it was. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's really interesting is like I said, it could have been really dangerous. It could have been seen in a different light. There were a lot of heresies. They were going around trying to kill all of them, including the Cathars and the Albigensans. They were mm. the first couple crusades were actually fought against other Christians who just didn't mm-hmm. um, submit to the catholic teachings and stuff and also there were some papal schisms that are so boring i'm not going to go into them but basically popes were like mine and then kings were like but i want to anoint them and it was all stupid so not stupid just like you know it's like war i don't really care enough um so 
it without the Pope saying like, yeah, you're good. She could have been like fully destroyed and killed. Mm-hmm. But thankfully that didn't happen. So she's writing, she's founding her own community of women. Sick. So cool. That is really cool. And also she be because of that, she became pretty famous like in her own time. So it seems like people came to her and sought healing. She really, you know, she ends up one of her more famous things that she actually wrote was also on cures and what is it called on a cure? Uh, Cause a cure, which is um, basically like on causes and cures mm-hmm. um, for illnesses. Mm-hmm. And it, it is what's in, what I love is that she saw her application of like, herbs and um uh like tinctures and various like kind of natural healing things as something that was divinely given to her by god because she was like all things are put on earth for the use of humans and therefore god gave me this ability so it's just kind of her interpretation of it Mm -hmm. but she basically also talks a lot about like the function of the human body and she's interpreting it through the idea of the four humors which i think we've talked about Mm -hmm. um and it's just an earlier kind of interpretation but she what i think is really interesting is that very specifically she includes this idea of um weariditas which is hard to translate but it's kind of this idea that like it's spiritual and physical health it's like a greening of sorts i don't know how to it's like vitality and lushness and fertility and growth and like Mm -hmm. it's basically like she uses it in so many different ways and a lot of people there's a lot of people going like she used it so many different ways we don't really know how to say it but it's it's kind of her understanding as like the connection of the theologic, the spiritual, and the physical, and how they mm-hmm. all grow and are lush together and they influence each other. And mm-hmm. she ends up um, really kind of having this extraordinary power of it. And she uses it a lot. It, and to her, it wasn't like medicine was a gardening, basically. That wasn't an analogy. Like she understood them to be the same thing, which is so cool. And, and mm-hmm. she gave many abortificant recipes interesting because at the time the life of the mother was valued it was not a political statement no the catholic church was like it's not ideal but like she shouldn't die interesting isn't that mm-hmm. i'm swallowing rage anyway i'm also <laughs> wearing a protect choice shirt at the moment important context um but also gave like contraceptives and also gave like ideas that could help people with conception and other things she also said you should boil water so you don't die from infection that is fascinating so smart smart. it feels feels early it was i mean as in you don't imagine people in the 11th century thinking knowing that they should do that necessarily. Yeah. 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 Yeah, They, I mean, they just basically made really weak ale, which involved a boiling process, which made things safe, but they didn't understand it. I think it seems like she kind of understood. Yeah. Fascinating. So she's the coolest. So 
Cause et curi is this incredible, like, scientific treatise. It's one of the oldest medical texts, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that it's all, like, it's not necessarily, like, and what, what I love is it, it's, like, not the divine gift of God. Like, these aren't visionary things. This is because she was a really good gardener. <laughs> like, she was really good and had a really great understanding of the natural world and its uses for people. But her understanding of that was very much through, like, God gave us this so that Mm, we could help mm -hmm. each other and ourselves. And so people Mm -hmm. came and were cured. Like she helped a lot of people. She counseled a lot of people and was just like so freaking cool. So cool. Yeah. And what I love is like, not only that, she was also like, God wants me to go preach. So she traveled around a woman (laughs) preaching. A woman? A woman. (laughs) no one did that no one no one did that she didn't do i mean just like was like they need to hear my message obsessed oh i love her so much i bet she was right i bet they did need to hear her message i know they did (laughs) yeah (laughs) just a close person she travels around she visits men she visits women she resolved conflicts Oh, she gave sermons and she, what I love is like, she didn't give sermons. Like here's a text and I'm going to interpret it. She was like, here's my vision from God. Here you go. It was just free. She wasn't saying like, here's my agenda. She was saying like, here's what the spirit is telling me and my interpretation of all of this. And she's like, also saying like, I think part of the church kind of sucks. We should do things differently. Like God Mm. doesn't love this. And Oh, that's interesting. She's so cool. Yeah. Also, she probably performed some interesting exorcisms. Okay. Healed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Seemed like if you put your hand on a braid of her hair, you could have been healed. I would have just wanted to touch it to say I touched Hildegard of Bingen. Yeah. <sighs> and then you would have been healed, too. So it would have been a double whammy. I would have been healed? Yeah, probably. Ugh. <laughs> no worries. I believe in it. I believe in I the magic. It. But again, what I love is that she's like, this isn't me, it's God. Like God is right, acting right, for right, me. Right. This isn't me. Um, I'm simply his messenger. Indeed. And she's like, also, by the way, everything about my life sucks. I'm in so much pain. I'm in agony. Everything sucks. But also, like, God gave this to me. So it's very interesting. It's kind of a she endured, but was given greatness. So Skiwios in its totality is like. 200 and something pages which is unreal when it's completely hand done Mm -hmm. unfortunately during hmm, world war ii it it was in dresden Mm -hmm. oh no sorry it was evacuated to dresden for safekeeping Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it it has been lost ever since but in the 1920s they they had a um, hand-painted facsimile of it so thankfully we have like basically a a accurate copy but we don't have the original anymore we don't know where it is um how do you lose that what a great question you don't someone steals it let's be frank right, let's right, be right, frank right. it's not lost it is happily in someone's little <clears throat> hidey hole um you know a little artifact you know hole. yeah yeah the nazis loved taking things loved heard about it. that yeah did you? Yeah, it's interesting. We're still finding yeah. some of it. And also some people don't want to give it back. Isn't that weird? 
It's almost no, like we, that I wasn't don't believe yours. in anything anymore. I know. <laughs> I know. So People sad. are bad. <laughs> they suck. Ah. Yeah. So I'm going to move into her, her music <laughs> just yeah. to give us a lightness, which for yeah. the record, I always loved listening to a study music because it's very, okay, so medieval music. How do oh, we explain? That checks out. Medieval, I know. Um, medieval music is a very specific thing. It is mm-hmm. a, hmm. <laughs> it's the way that she wrote music was very different than a lot of people wrote music. She added a lot more variations, but pretty much all medieval music was like sung on that one kind of line and things were kind of moved around and done with it. Very chanting, very Gregorian sounding, but she really played with that structure. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of her more famous and like kind of first works is um, the, what is it called? It's the Ordo Virtutum, which is like the order of virtues. Um, And it's a a morality play, which are the earliest kind Hmm. of Western um, plays. And she wrote like hundreds of compositions, hundreds. What I love about the Ordo Virtutum is that it's 82 different songs. Mm -hmm. It is not a lot. It doesn't have anything to do with like liturgy. It's the only, and it's the earliest known musical drama that isn't attached to liturgy. Oldest. Mm -hmm. Is written by her. And what I love is that it's complete, it's an allegory, like 100%. So it's this idea that the female virtue, what I love, okay, so it's the story of sin, confession, repentance, and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And the nuns are female virtues who restore the fallen to the community of the faithful. It's not the men, not the patriarchs, not the prophets. It's the ladies. It's the virtues. And mm. it give if you think about who she's writing for, she's writing for her. I was going to say, yeah. Devotees, her nuns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I love is that it's pretty much agreed upon that Volmar would have played the role of the devil. Mm-hmm. And that I, oh my God, I love it. That the devil was entirely spoken and shouted. He had no music whatsoever because music was a sign of like God. It was, it was a, mm, a divinely mm-hmm. given thing. Right. And so, um, yeah, so he couldn't sing. So he's like shouting and speaking and it's really fun. Like she thought about the composition of it, right? There was a lot of things that we identify in modern things. And so it, yeah, monophonic. That's what it's called. It's monophonic. That music that's like one melodic line, but mm-hmm. things kind of happen within it. But within mm-hmm. that, she had a lot of really interesting um, like structure. She played with it. it. It had a lot of really cool things. And what I love is that we see like the notation of it that was pretty much given to her. Mm-hmm. And she's was they were very influenced by um, Mariology or like Marianology, which is like the devotion to the Virgin Mary, which is a very distinctly Catholic thing. Um, so a lot of the songs are kind of written in devotion to Mary and other female saints, which I love. Um, hmm. There's a great little picture of her with her nuns. And she's like kind of preaching to them. Maybe they're conducting something. Maybe they're singing. I encourage you all to listen. It's For those who are not familiar with monophonic medieval music, it's Mm -hmm. not something we would recognize as being like great modern music, but 
I find it unbelievably beautiful and calming to listen to. And I am not religious. So for me, it's just, it's the idea that I'm listening to something that someone almost a thousand years ago wrote is unreal. And yes, we don't have a tempo. Like they didn't, medieval notation didn't break down like tempo, but it's, we can pretty much understand. um, Yeah. What it sounded like. Um, We could probably find a way to put some of that on Instagram. Oh, we will because thankfully we have like many, we have hundreds of compositions and people love to record them because it's, it's just like, there's something about her compositions that have stood the test of time. And I, God, I love listening to them. They are great to study with. And normally I have, I, I can't really study with words, but because it's all very monophonic, it's very yeah. Latin. It's like it just very sense. calm. It's very lovely. I love it, it totally so much. Sense. So she wrote many different things though. So there, it's not just the order, Ordo Virtutum. It's not just the Skiwitas. She wrote mm-hmm. many different books, including something called the Lib- Liber, which means book, Divinorum mm-hmm. Alperum, which is like the work of God, um, mm-hmm. of, of like the, div- the great divine work. Mm-hmm book (laughs) um but basically the work of god and it's a idea that again she seemed to be she seemed to really like john the evangelist which is interesting i don't know how i feel about him but whatever um you know how you can always tell john the evangelist in a painting how or like a depiction he always is carrying a book and he looks like he's trying to convert you like he (laughs) looks like he's about to ask you if you want to accept jesus christ as your lord and savior so well painted (laughs) <laughs> he looks like he's just like a guy coming up, knocking on your door, asking if you have a moment to talk about the Bible. Do you have a minute? Yeah. Do you have a minute to? <laughs> do you have a moment to talk about um, our Lord, our and, Lord Savior and Savior Jesus Christ? Christ? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is my favorite thing in the world. Do you want to know how you can tell John the Baptist? Ugh. How? He looks like a hobo. And I say that with deep love and respect. He is usually wearing a hair shirt or some kind of animal skin. And he looks like he's emerged from a cave. Always gonna have to post pictures of these obviously yeah yep yep yep. they're great yep do you want to know how you can tell saint bartholomew all right how he's holding a knife that reflects that he was flayed alive or he holds his skin like a skin suit hanging let's find a picture of that second one yeah yeah, yeah. it's fun though <laughs> i want i want the second one on instagram my favorite's like all the same look like suit re- who instagram. are like looking so peaceful and they're like holding images of how they were like martyred and tortured and they have like arrows through various parts of their body or like through their neck or they've been scalped but they look so all right peaceful. this is gonna be its own individual post yeah yeah, yeah have, it's great oh, i'm ready i, I see it, it in my it. head already i see it <laughs> you want to see what weird saints look like and how you can identify them simple um like saint catherine she's holding the wheel on which she was tortured, which is why they're called Catherine wheels. So yeah. So she writes about John, the evangelist Mm -hmm. who looks like he's trying to convert you Mm -hmm. or evangelize you. That's why, that's how I always remembered it with art history. I'm like, Oh, that's John. He sometimes is always wearing pink and he looks like really like he has like golden locks a lot of the time. He looks like very pretty. He looks like, he looks like Prince Charming from Shrek 2. A little bit. Perfect. A little bit. Perfect. In a lot of depictions and some he's not, but he has that eagerness of like, do you have a second? It's always there. Yeah, That's yeah, always yeah. there. And he's holding a book usually. And he's like, wait a minute. You've painted you. this well in my brain. Thank you. I'm really glad. I really hope I meet that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I will. I think I will. I'm pretty excited. So <laughs> Liber Dewinor and Alperum, or the, the work of God, the great work, book of divine works, is basically like 
a prologue to the gospel of John, which is so mm-hmm. interesting. It's kind of kind of interpreted that way. And it's basically the idea of understanding God and his creation, like man and the world and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she has a lot of – she writes and it's really poetic. I mean, her – it's – like she – man, she explicates. Like it is mm. – a lot of vision. It's very lush imagery, very poetic. And she's talking about like the different kind of visions of the God and, and interpreting different aspects of the gospel of John, but also like a commentary on the visions that she's received. Um, and so you also have like some of her other works, which are basically the Liber Vitae Meritorum, um, which is like basically like a part of a morality play, but kind of an extension of that, which is understanding that like there are confrontations between the good and bad, like the virtues and your vices and Mm -hmm. that like you can, there's an ongoing battle and it's your kind of job to like keep fighting it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my idea of it. So she ends up, I mean, she's just, oh gosh, she's so cool. You know, she's just really cool because she never stops. Mm-hmm. And I love because, again, like according to her, her own account, the visions that she was given caused great physical and emotional agony, like agony. Like she was basically being tortured. But again, in Catholicism specifically, that was even somehow more of a sign of holiness. Um, so she is writing these unbelievable works. She, I mean, it, it's just like the fact that we have some of these, Oh, Oh, I forgot. She wrote her own language. What? Called the lingua ignota, which is so much fun. And it basically is an alternative alphabet. It it doesn't really know. Like it's really weird. It ignota means unknown. So it's the like unknown language or language unknown. Mm -hmm. And it, Basically, was this like some people think that she used it to like have a fun little secret language with her nuns. Some people look at it as just like a way to abridge medieval Latin. Some of it just like it's whatever it was. I just love that she was like, I'm gonna make a language. Yeah, that's it's sick. so cool. It's so cool. Um, so she wrote that, you know, it's just wild, prolific, prolific, unbelievably prolific. Yeah. She wrote um many manu- manuscripts and codices and thankfully a lot of her works were kind of gathered together in the Rising Codex manuscript. Mm-hmm. Um and so we are lucky in that we have so much of her work. That's and so that unusual, I feel it's like. It's so unusual. And the fact yeah. that we even have like we know she oversaw the illumination of her books. Mm-hmm. And we have some of it. Not all of it. I'd love to have all of it. I'll take what I have, though. Absolutely. Because we so often don't have anything at all. And again, to have her her music, because to me, I mean, music is so extraordinary in that it's really not, you know, it it it. We're both musicians. Like it reaches Mm -hmm. something different in your Mm -hmm. soul, in your body. It is something that you can connect with in a very different way. And as an avid reader, I love that I'm able to have both with her specifically. And the fact that I know that she, she not only wrote this to be listened to, but to be performed a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And she was just this like 
a, she was just a figure that was seen as very holy in her own lifetime. And that's pretty rare. I mean, that's not something that, you know, a lot of women weren't famous in their own life. It was like after they died that people were like, well, you can go to your grave and get healed. And so I think right. she, maybe she should be a saint or right, they right, were right. martyred in some horrific manner, but not necessarily with her, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. just this like overall sense that she was this extraordinary, um, mystic. Mm. And that she understood it too. Like she, it wasn't just someone telling her like, She's like, yeah, I know. And I have to write this down. I have to write this down. Yeah, it um, comes from within. It comes from within. Hilda mm-hmm. Hild. <laughs> so she, I mean, she's conversing with people who are some of the most important people. They either seek her advice or input. We, again, have so much of her correspondence, which is incredible because, again, it's a it's a greater understanding of the of her life and how she understood it, which is so mm-hmm. rare in general for anyone of that so time rare. period, let alone a lady and a woman of, of a the woman. church, a woman. Mm-hmm. So people start writing about her pretty much like in her life, but also very specifically um, in order to be, excuse me, in order to be sanctified, you had to have a life with a capital L, a, a Vita is how, mm-hmm. a Vita you are old latin sure and i think we've talked about vitas before they're just like someone's bid to be like i think this person should be a saint but you basically like you had to have a vita to be canonized like it it was necessary Hmm. what what's hard with hildegard is that unfortunately her vita was written by three different authors because they kept dying oh so initially with the end of the full writing of the Vita, um, usually they're written by someone who had to have known them, like a first mm-hmm. person, like known them in life. But because people kept dying, um, oh yeah, sorry, Hildegard dies. Ooh, sorry. Um, <laughs> woo, so sorry. Um, basically, she's living her best life. She's going around. She's founding. <laughs> she founds a second monastery. So sorry. That's so- um and she dies in 11 monastery yeah in ibingen across the river she passes away at the age of 81 that's pretty good in 1179 81 that's pretty good 12th century for the win her and eleanor can you imagine if they met (gasps) oh (laughs) i can't even i the excitement i feel is that's that's your that's your dinner table right there. i like can't sit still oh they're both part of um the dinner table or the um whatchamacallit? Help me. The dinner party. You know by Judy Chicago? The Oh, 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 yeah. I seats. do, they, I do. They both have seats at oh, the dinner party. So cool. there. Which is so uh, cool. Uh, quick explanation for those who don't know, there is an art installation currently at the Brooklyn Museum, if I'm not wrong. It is. You can and go see it. You can see a triangular today. connected table, and there are place settings for different Lady. historically badass broads it's true honestly i should just look at them honestly for yeah maybe could have used that Oof. and each one has like their own uh place setting place that setting. represents something about their lives it's really yeah, cool really cool it's really really cool um but wow so they're both there anyway they're having a party cool. i was i was talking about you know when they say if you could have dinner oh no i know but i was like wait no they actually both have a place at that table (laughs) (laughs) love that 
Yeah, it's so cool. Judy Chicago's dream table right there. Honestly, though, Judy Chicago. She was like, you know what? I'm tired of people asking me this question. Just gonna make yeah, genuinely. She's like, I'm just gonna fucking make a table. Um, (laughs) now stop asking. Stop it. I guess. Yes. Okay. Okay. She passes away. She passes away. Um, I think just like her lifelong illnesses. Sure. All the pain. Again, another illness. Um, she dies in the circle Mm -hmm. of her sisters at Rupertsburg. This is a really interesting in her Vita, the Vita Hildegardis, um, which means the life of Hildegard. Um, thanks Latin. I remember Mm -hmm. four things. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. she, God gave her a vision of that. She was going to die. And she told her sisters and that's like a sign of being chosen, like even more specialness being close to God. Yeah, that makes sense. Darcy's making an appearance. <laughs> Hello, Darcy. My apologies. That's my son, my dog. Um, <laughs> forgive so, my son. <laughs> forgive my son, my child. <laughs> Mr. Darcy. Um, so her death took place on a Sunday at the beginning of dusk. And according to the text, at the time of her death, a circular shape appeared in the heavens with a red shimmering cross in the center. Sure. And that her funeral was the source of many miracles, but we don't know a lot of it. And usually they would say that about, it was a pretty standard kind of copy and paste of what they said for every, in every Vita. So like, (laughs) sure. Um, But she was very clearly like they were gunning for her to be a saint. Like it was quick. Mm -hmm. It was quick. And she was buried near other people who were worshiped as saints. Like they were like, this is it. I mean, if anyone's going to be a saint. It should be her. It makes sense. And she suffered for it. It makes sense. Everything about Can it I makes sense. Can I tell you something that I think makes me a bad person slightly? Please. That I'm <laughs> grateful that Judah did not get to become a saint. Okay. That Hildegard did. Why does this make you a bad person? Because I feel like it's like not good that I should like be – no, I'm not pleased. I just find it satisfying. Like she was so like everyone has to know how much I suffer, which I think is the whole point of self-modulation, frankly. It's not – for the self it's for the other do you think she was doing it to try and be a saint yeah they all did what do you think this is all about i guess i guess i'm learning a lot today (laughs) like (laughs) look at me i am a saint i suffered i suffered but isn't part of it yes you suffer but you also give back in a lot of you know like suffering can also be interpreted as a sign of giving back in and of itself oh interesting I guess she was also healing people through a window, right? She was healing. Well, no. Remember, she got to break out. In my head, it was like communion and then a little healing. Well, that, that could have been happening with Judah. <laughs> Jutta? Okay. Judah. I don't Judah. know. Oh, that's who I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her. Her. That's what I'm saying. Like, I guess she was also, she also, in her. Uh, yeah. You're she right. was giving back in that way. And for the record, they wrote a life, capital L, for Judah. And she was not sanctified who votes well it's kind of a it's like an electoral process that takes many hundreds of years and what usually oh it's so look it up i don't have time the beatification then the sanctification then blah 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 fascinating it takes hildegard 800 years to become a saint that's how stupid this is and the reason they kept saying it took that long Mm -hmm. is because they're like well like I just don't find the, like some of the evidence is convincing enough or there were a lot of 
like breaks in the continuity of the writing of the Vita. And it's like, yeah, they kept dying. Yeah. It's not her fault. That's not her fault. Yeah. It's not her fault. It's not her fault. No. Unless she killed them, but I don't think she did. Well, she had a lot of uh, knowledge of herbs. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Um, Yeah. So she like, I mean, she's just really the coolest thing. I just love her so much. Um, So she ends up passing away, like I said, and Mm -hmm. is like mourned, but also everyone's like, she's with her redeemer. Like she did it. And she's no longer in immense amounts of she's constant no longer pain. suffering so much. Um, mm-hmm. And so the first kind of life, like her readings are being used to teach people. Like that's still happening. Um, it, it's kind of used officially by the church a lot. Like it mm-hmm. should have been a pretty simple thing for her to be a saint. That mm-hmm. didn't happen. Um, Pope Gregory the Ninth signed a document in 1228 that became like the part of the canonization of her. Mm-hmm. But like that didn't quite finish. I don't really know why. And procrastination. Probably. I mean, men, um, then like that happened again and the documents were seen as incomplete in their description of her miracles, which like mm. was a, a essential part of it, even though it did describe some, it didn't describe all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it halted. Then Pope Clement V tried again, uh, like a, almost a century later. John the twelfth or twenty second tried again, mm-hmm. uh, didn't quite go through. But to be fair, like here's what happened in the thirteenth century: between eleven ninety nine and twelve seventy six, there were forty eight investigations regarding canonization, and of them, twenty three concluded positively. Of those forty eight, there were only. Oh, and there were, okay, between 1198 and 1431, only 13 women were considered for canonization and five achieved that. Hmm. So just know that. It's a small number. But what's interesting is like, again, early on though, she's being kind of worshipped as a saint. They, Mm -hmm. she, you could, if you went to pilgrimage to Rupertsburg on her feast day, which she was given a feast day, Mm -hmm. you were offered an indulgence, which is like going to get you out of purgatory soon, which we got a whole lot of conversations about that. The archbishop confirmed that. And basically it was like, she's the same, but like kind of not really. Um, they tried again in the mid 15th century. They tried again. They lifted her bones. Like they, they took her out like it, a lot of different what? things. Then finally, what does that accomplish? Uh, it's a, you know, um, informal canonization process. I don't, God, we have questions. Uh, yeah. A lot of questions. So many questions. So <laughs> Pope Benedict the 16th in the years 2010 and 2011 restarts that process. She's You're a, kidding. No, she's officially sainted May 10th of 2012 in Rome. And more important, I think, hold up, <laughs> even better. On October 7th of that same year, she's elevated to the position of doctor of the church, which is like next level saint. There's there's only three people, three women beside her who have ever received that. It's mm. Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, and Teresa of Lisieux. That's it. So like she called herself a paupercula femina, which is like the most simple of women. Mm-hmm. And it 
like she's one of the most important Catholic women like ever and Christian women, um, especially so in cool. the like pre-modern world. So mm-hmm. she's officially not only that, she's a doctor of the church. Heck yeah. Her feast day is the 17th of September. Amazing. And again, she was just like, if we think about what she was known for, she was really known for mysticism, this idea of like the spiritual soul and kind of that importance. I think it's a really extraordinary thing. And again, it took 800 years for her to be officially canonized. (laughs) But, you know, I want to go back to one of her openings um, in a letter that she wrote later in her life. Mm-hmm. about herself and she says um about her like visions um i do not hear them with my outward ears nor do i perceive them by thoughts of my own heart or by any combination of my five senses but in my soul alone while my outward eyes are open um space 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 the light which i see thus is not spatial but it is far far brighter than a cloud which carries the sun i can measure neither height nor length nor breadth in it and i call it quote the reflection of the living light end quote and as the sun the moon and the stars appear in water so writings sermons virtues and other certain human actions take form for me and gleam well written so beautiful stunning her stunning so that's hildegard of bingen I could Heck, go on for yeah. so long because I just love her. And I really do recommend, we are very lucky. There's a lot of her work that we can read and it, it's such a gift. We don't mm-hmm. get to do that very often, especially with women this early um, in the pre-modern era. We're so, so lucky. And not only that, we get to listen to her music. Yeah. I'm excited about that. <gasps> I can't wait. I'm going to send you some of my favorites. Also Good. like- we even have some of the stuff that she like cared about illuminating. It's incredible. Um, yeah, I I just love her. Yeah, I rightfully so. I feel like love her. So cool. she's just so cool. Oh, and guess how she thought of the world? How she thought of the universe and as God created it in the shape of an egg, and I love that. Okay, go off. Yeah, right? why not? Why not? Why the frick not? Exactly. And she had that illuminated. I'll find it for us. Yeah. yeah. I'm into that. I love her. Hildegard. I love that for her. Mm. 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 <laughs> Big fan. Massive fan. Huge. Ah, another stunning episode in which things are learned and women are cool. Yes. That should be our tagline. <laughs> that's the new. That's things the new are tagline. learned and women are cool. It, it just about sums it up, doesn't it? I can't. I mean, perfectly. Well done. Um, thank you all for listening consistently. Thank you. Oh my god, Genuinely. still shocking. The fact that I remember the first time we're like, we there's no way we can know all these people, and that was terribly exciting. And that that has yeah. grown is is not something we take for granted. <laughs> no, thank you. It's so sweet. It's so cool. It's so cute. We like hearing about it. I I know. I I wrote this in the little like Instagram caption, but it really is like numbers on a screen. Mm -hmm. And then actual human beings message us and post Uh, about it. And we're like, wait a second. I will never. What do you mean? It's not just a little digital thing on a screen. What are you talking about? We don't do this in a bubble? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, Long story short, thank you. 
Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it so much. And we'll have another lady for you in a month. Yes, we will. Yeah. Time. Check us out on Instagram. And we'll happy be posting new year. things there. Happy New Year. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that insane? Sorry. Uh, nothing is insane anymore. Everything that's is fair. right. When everything is insane, nothing is insane. Yeah. Isn't that a thing? Yeah. It is a thing. Because if everything is insane, then nothing is actually like insane. Yeah. That's where we're at. There we are. (laughs) Well, yes. Have a lovely new year and we will talk to you in a month. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.